welcome to it. It is three o'clock on a Sunday afternoon, so you guys know what time it is. It's time for Talk That Talk. I am your host, Real Chatterbox Emerson. I'm in a studio. Is this even a studio now? I don't know if that's the right word. You're on stage, man. You're live on stage. Man, we are live on stage right now. We are in the middle of the Superbook. We are on Instagram live right now. We are recording the audio. I am sitting next to Minnesota's own Sammy G, Sam Gordon of the Las Vegas Review Journal. How we doing, Sam? Doing well, man. Appreciate you having me back. Of course, Glad I could be course. with you today. Celine, can we get those set up a little bit, a tab it, just a tab it? Um, but, but not mine, just his maybe. Um, so yeah, man, we're actually we're like I just said, we're it's three o'clock on a on a Sunday afternoon right now. We can see the clubhouse from right here. It's packed. Aside from the clubhouse being packed, every cubby is packed. The lines are packed. The poker room is packed. The bar is packed. There's so much going on. Oh my God, Your bag is packed. Shout out to Kobe behind the Instagram live as always. And of course we have our Florida man fact checker Celine Dweck over to the side. What's going down, man? Um I'll tell you what's going down. What's up? The Illinois fighting Illini are going down. Oh my god. They're, they're going down. Let's, let's do that, and of course, I, 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 I tend to make this mistake, so I'm not going to do it this time for sure. Let's make sure that I get my mom's tip in right away. Yeah, let's do let's it. see what we got. Let's see what my mom got today. So, oh, all right. Um, this sounds a lot like my upbringing from her. Um, once I say this, Sam, you got to tell me if this sounds like your household as well. Let's do it. Your attitude plus your choices equal your life oh come on now that's all i've been hearing <laughs> i'm gonna do it one more time your attitude plus your choices equal your life all right so i feel like i feel like i'm trying to make the right choices so i hope that my life is going accordingly right now and i think we're we're, we're doing pretty good so far you got a good attitude i think i do I think I do. Okay. You gotta let me know. You see me in the, in the you see me in the work field. Before. Okay, I think you got a good attitude and you make good choices. Thank you. You see? living a good life. It can, it, yeah, it can always. Yeah. Yes. Come on, I, man. The answer is yes. You're at the Super Bowl. Answer is yes. You're at the Super Bowl on a Sunday afternoon. You the got nothing but college basketball on all around you. I was just about to tell you, we can get no better than this. I'm literally staring at a how. If you had to guesstimate how long this wall was, whatever the answer is, it's full of TVs, it's full of sports, it's full of March Madness, exactly like Sam said. So let me go ahead and tell you guys where we are. This is Talk That Talk Radio Show where we record live from the Westgate Las Vegas Resort and Casino from the largest superbook in the world for over 50 years. Formerly known as the largest hotel in the world for nearly a decade. Like I just said, it's March Madness right now, so the place is packed. And again, if you wanted to be a part of it, it is located at 3000 Paradise Road, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89109. Sam, let's hop right into it, man. You said Illinois is going down. <laughs> Correct. Talk to me. Talk to me. Oh, well, they, they're not the first one. No, they're not. Uh, I mean, this is this. I mean, it's March Madness, right? Uh, this is what we missed last year. You've already seen a handful of upsets, none bigger than, than this one. Although, I, you know, when I take a step back... Is this a big upset? I mean, yeah, it is, but Loyola Chicago's got a track record now. they got a pedigree. They've been exactly. to the Final Four. Right. They've got an established coach that's probably going to go on and, and get one of these major, major job openings. They've got players on that team that are still experienced that have played on that 2018 team that made the Final Four. This is a real program. I know they're in the Missouri Valley. I know they're in the Missouri Valley. 
But they blew through, they breezed through the Missouri Valley all year, and they breezed through Illinois today, and they controlled the game from the opening tip. They had a better game plan. They executed their game plan. They were ready to go. There were no nerves whatsoever. And Illinois didn't respond when they got punched in the mouth. So, I know you, well, I'm going to ask you a rhetorical question. I think I know the answer. Did you fill out the bracket? Yeah, this, this oh, is the first time did. I did for the first time all in a right. long, long time. Yeah, I filled one out. Is your bracket busted? Of course. <laughs> Who's is it? Anybody who says there isn't, isn't, they're lying. What's up? I'd just like to say that the game... Is there, is that, you like to catch yours up a little bit. Talk to me. Iona versus Alabama, the game was fixed. That's why I owe the loss. The fix was in, huh? Continue. But yeah, Iona... We're, we're going to talk, talk a little bit about Iona in a second. It was fixed. <laughs> I don't know if it's, if it's fixed, but we're in Vegas. So this is the spot for all the, all the, the, the speculation in terms of the fixing in terms of sports. But... I don't think March Madness is something that you can kind of guess. It happens every single year. We continue to be surprised by teams. I will say that my biggest surprise, even though I had Texas, I said before I had Texas going to the Final Four. So that, oh my gosh, that entire side of the bracket is just poof. <laughs> poof, it just goes away. So aside from that, there was no way that I know people who called Oral Roberts over Ohio State. I mean, who could? Who could? We thought the Big Ten was one of the best leagues. We thought it was arguably the best league in college basketball, right? Right. How do we know if there wasn't a real, I mean, there wasn't a big-time non-conference schedule? How do we just assume that the Big Ten was the best? I mean, yeah, we pretty much did. Because who's still left? Iowa and Michigan. Half the, half the heavy hitters from the Big Ten are gone. Illinois is gone, one seed. Ohio State's gone, two seed. What's up? Where's the Big Ten at? We have Texas, and then Texas, I just mentioned them, and they were the three seed against Abilene and Christian, and they went ahead and, and took a loss last night. And it, it was so much we always talk about it in terms of March Madness. It, from, literally from, what, 9.15 in the morning to about that same time, p.m. So about a 12-hour stretch, we're getting nothing but college basketball. <laughs> yep. And we're still getting nothing but upsets. You just mentioned Loyola Chicago not being an upset per se. Aside from Abilene Christian, we talked about Oral Roberts as well. Short, briefly, I'm missing one. North Texas over Purdue. Another Big Ten team that couldn't make it past the first day. Oh, my Ouch. God. The Big Ten. The Big Ten, man. So everybody is going to point to the elephant in the room and they're going to say COVID, right? I don't think that had nothing to do with it. I'm not making no excuse for the Big Ten. I'm Are you? I'm not. I'm not going to do it. I, I mentioned before that I thought, I think when we, when we uh, did our show maybe, what, a week ago? Maybe two weeks ago from the clubhouse, we spoke about the conferences with the best opportunity to win it all. And the Big 12 was a school for me. I mean, was was a conference for me. Texas goes out. Oklahoma State has a scare through... What was that? Thirty minutes of the forty? Yeah, yeah, for sure. No Kate question. Cunningham didn't have his best game, and his stat line it's, still looks ridiculous for a college player. In fact, not only did he not have his best game, I'll tell you, he had one of his worst games. Exactly. Both well for Oklahoma State. Exactly. Both well for you know Oklahoma State really showed me something. There, there was a West Virginia game where Kate Cunningham didn't play, and all the talk was you know Kate's assist numbers. Cade, you know, he's going to be better when he's around big-time players. He's around big-time players. Right. Those guys proved they can play without him by, by, by beating number six, West Virginia, at the time, earlier this season. And then they make a deep run of the Big, the big 12 championship game. Uh, that wasn't just on the strength of Cade. That's a well-rounded effort. So, 
the fact that they were able to survive that game, Cade gets his kind of his sea legs under him, his March Madness legs under him. I expect a much better performance for him today. I mean, does that game already start? Uh, you said Oklahoma State? Oklahoma State, it's not. It has not. As a, as a matter of fact, Rutgers and Texas, or excuse me, not Rutgers, excuse me, Arkansas and Texas Tech is about to tip right now. I was looking at the women's, that's the women's first round in front of me. That's South Dakota and Syracuse. Yep. So I was slightly confused about which screen I was looking at. That tends to happen here at the sports book. But we're going to get into some more college basketball talk. But of course, we are in Vegas. So we got to start with the, with, with the hometown product. And Sam, do me a favor. <laughs> Salim, your favorite topic is coming up. What's that? <laughs> Sam, do me a favor. Yeah. Detail what your last week and a half has been like. Oh, man. Phone calls, texts. Phone calls and texts. Emails, phone calls and texts. That's about it. Really. That's about it. Is there something I'm leaving out? Maybe who they were from? No, just one. <laughs> um, by the way, to answer your question, Oregon State and Oklahoma State does come on at 640. That's 940 Eastern Time. Uh, and I believe that game is on TNT. So, you just mentioned that it was so many. You just mentioned that, I don't know what's going on in front of us. Uh-oh. You just mentioned that it was so many phone calls, yeah. so many texts. Yep. I'm the first thing before we even get to the news. Actually, let's get to the news right away. In case you are unfamiliar with what's going on here at UNLV, I believe for what the fourth time in the last six years. Six time in the last ten. Oh my God! I can give you fourteen in the last twenty-nine. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Is there a trend here? I think it seems I think like it's starting to notice a trend. The trend that I'm noticing is revolving door at UNLV. Yep. And the news that I have for you guys, in case you're unfamiliar, is former head coach of the Running Rebels, TJ Osterberger, not only has already taken the job at Iowa State, has already had his introductory press conference. And before we even get to that, let's 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 speak about TJ because we're gonna get to the program in a second. Speaking about TJ, he mentioned two things in his statement that stood out to me. Okay, talk to me. Of course, TJ is going to say everything, what he's supposed to do, everything positive about the program, the campus, the city, the athletic director, Desiree Reed Francois, all of those things. While I'm not saying that those things are not true, the reason for why he left was at the bottom of that statement. Tell me more. Talk to me. The bottom of that statement, he mentioned that him and his wife Allison were excited to not only get back to Ames, but they wanted to get back to a place where they began, excuse me, where they, I don't want to quote it, but I'm paraphrasing, where they began the formative part of their family's lives. That's pretty powerful, man. I've always said that TJ has been a wordsmith. TJ chooses what he wants to say. TJ picks and chooses his spots, which is why that final question at the Mountain West Tournament about the team's talent was very telling because TJ said everything except for yes. But that tells you where his heart was. Sure. So going back to the statement that I made almost a month ago in terms of if the Big 12 calls, do you answer it? I think he was answered for a different reason. 
Well, this isn't a surprise, right? For the for the very reasons you named, and let's just kind of let's just outline them right now. T.J. Osborne spent eight years in Iowa State as an assistant under three different head coaches: Greg McDermott, Fred, Fred Hoiberg, and the, the recently departed Steve Palm. He helped establish that program uh, and, and help it become one. I mean, for a while there, when Hoiberg was was the head coach, that was one of the best programs in the country. Certainly, one of the best programs in the Big Twelve, one of the better programs in the country, and he was an integral part of that success. And his wife Allison was a star basketball player there. So it made sense, right? I mean, it, we, we knew pretty early on during this Iowa State season that they weren't going to be very good. I mean, Tyrese, Tyrese Halliburton was gone, falling for the Sacramento Kings. The cover was bare. They did not bring a lot of talent back. And that speaks to Steve Prom. I mean, he did a solid job there, but you got you have to know that it's, there's a lot of turnover in college basketball. He wasn't ready for this season. So when, when I guess the point I'm trying to make is that this wasn't a surprise. This had been in the works for some time now. This The fact that this news broke this week. It might have broke this week, but this was a long time coming for those very reasons you named. It's a Big 12 job. It's a pay raise, and it's an area of the country that he's very familiar with, that he's had a lot of success in, and he's very, very comfortable in. So congratulations to T.J. Osborne. Definitely. Congratulations. congratulations he got out of Dodge, man. <laughs> he got out of Dodge. Did he create the Dodge to get away from? Uh, he didn't make it any better. You tell me. What do you think? I mean, he inherited a program that was known for a lot of roster and coaching turnovers. Right. And now whoever takes over that job, there's going to be a lot of probably roster turnover, and it's going to be, like you said, the 14th coach in the last 29 years. This program's been anything but stable since Jerry Tarkanian uh, was ousted in 1991, like you said. Anything anything, and everything but stable. And uh, and this is kind of the norm now with UNLV. I don't... I don't necessarily think that it's TJ's fault. No. Why, um, I guess it would be something to dodge here at UNLV. But I, I, like you just said, I think you just mentioned uh, the same number that we keep saying. What did we say at first? I said four in the last six. You said six in the last ten. Where are we at? Uh, 14 in the last 29. Yep. So all of these different numbers dictate that it's not just TJ. Right. So clearly there's something here at UNLV. I have conspiracy theories. <laughs> In terms of, we always talk about basketball guys. We always talk about sports guys. You just said that Jerry Sarkanian was ousted in 1991. Yep. I'm going to leave that where it is. <laughs> because, as I said before, there have been 14 head coaches here since then. So, in looking at those numbers, all I can do in terms of saying that it's not TJ's fault, the one thing that I can do is hold TJ at his word. And that he seems like a person that wants, if nothing else, to be held at his word. Let's go back to that introductory press Okay. Right? I'm, I'm all ears. <laughs> he began speaking about what I love. He opened it up by saying that it began with a re-recruitment of players. Okay. So I, I do know that while that did not happen with every player, that, that, that did occur. Okay. Granted, there were some players that didn't want to talk. There's nothing to talk about. I'm not going to do Okay. So, in that press conference, it wasn't only that that was said. He talked about scheduling hard. Okay. And the thing that I know not only caught my ears, but caught everybody else's ears, he mentioned NCAA tournament first with an S. Uh, with an S. It was an S. There, there was an S on there. Yes. There was no, and again, TJ picks his spot, so there were no guarantees. There was not a one guarantee, but the one thing that he could promise was that they were going to schedule a hard. 
we talked earlier this year about the win at Kansas State, and I was like, that may be a win that can catapult them. And then I believe maybe two weeks later, Kansas State lost to a Division II school. <laughs> so much for that, right? And I think I tweeted right after that loss, that win at Kansas State is starting to look a little bit different. Or a lot. <laughs> or a you, lot you different. You tell me. So, it was, uh, I mean, the whole non-conference schedule. No, go ahead. I don't want no, to. I'm listening. The whole non-conference schedule, I mean, he did schedule hard. They were right. the Maui. And Kansas State, we thought, was going to be a little bit better. But they were overmatched in every non-conference game they played. They were overmatched by Montana State here at Thomas Mack. And then you get to Mountain West play. Marvin Coleman is gone. And you see the deficiencies on the roster. The, 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 this roster in 2020-2021 did not have another primary ball hitter. They right. didn't have somebody else who was natural, who was comfortable, who was fluid when handling the ball, when their primary duty, when their primary responsibility was handle the ball. Nobody can break down the defense. Nobody can get in the paint. And what you saw was 12-15 season. So here's the thing, and, and this is where it begins to sound like it shots at TJ. Okay. But again, all we can do is take him at his word, right? Right. TJ said to me plenty of times, the only thing that I know how to do is put my head down and go to work. Okay. It's on to the next day. It's, I believe he said that he wanted to start practice right after the Boise State lost last season in the quarterfinals. And I interviewed him about that. So everything about TJ, to me, speaks fight. As in when there's, where there's smoke, there's fight? No, fighter. Oh, fighter. Oh. Fighter. As in, he's a fighter. Okay, okay. So, when I'm doing my story about TJ, TJ's departure, it takes me a while, and I'm like, you know what? Maybe I'm, maybe I'm too far ahead in my timeline. But what was that contract? So, I go back, and I peeped the contract. And it was five years, $6.5 million. TJ leaves after two seasons and a 29 and 30 record. Not only that, TJ leaves behind Caleb Grill, who was a former Iowa State transfer. The irony. Not only does he leave that behind, he leaves behind David Jenkins. Was the, and this is a separate question. I don't want you to answer it now, but I do want everybody to ponder it, at least for, for, the, for the time being. Did David Jenkins play well enough in the Mountain West to garner another boost in competition? And if so, what does that look like? Don't answer it. I just want to put the question out there. All right? Now, here's the interesting part about TJ going to Iowa State. I don't know anything. I haven't talked to anybody. In my opinion, do not be surprised. I don't know how much he plays. But do not be surprised if the entire city is heartbroken when Chekin Bakay Jones finishes his senior season at Iowa State. Wow. You're going. I don't know how much he'll play. You think he's out of here? I think TJ would reward him enough to bring him with him. I do. I don't know what the season looks like. I don't know what his time looks like. Okay. I don't know if Mbaki wants to do it. You're just saying don't be surprised if it happens. Don't be surprised if it happens. Okay. 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 
What happened? We gotta put it on? We don't have to? We don't have to. So she was over here. Okay, cool. Good to know. I was like, do we need Arizona? Alright, bet. So Sorry about that little mishap again. We're on the stage here at the Superbook. We're no longer in the clubhouse, at least for today. Um, where are we at? Oh, TJ. So aside from TJ, we talked about this 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 head coaching job being a revolving door. I have five names. Okay. <laughs> None of these five names are the latest names that you tweeted. All right. What do you got? All right. Let's talk about it. Are you reporting or speculating, or is this informed speculation? Informed speculation on one. Informed speculation on two, but I think the second one has, has no legs. shot. Okay. The first one has legs. This first one I'm about to say has legs. I think this makes the most sense in terms of where UNLV is going, in terms of Desiree Reeves, Francois, hiring practices. I could see Kevin Kruger getting his first opportunity. Sure. Keep some continuity. Uh, not have to do the whole revolving door thing. Keep right. somebody on the staff familiar. Sure, okay. I think a lot of that, would, uh, a lot of the thinking would also go into roster turnover. A lot of people speak highly of Coach Kruger. We know about the lineage in the, in, the, in the family, of course. Now, Steve Lavin was mentioned. I know he'd be interested in a job if, came, if, if, if he was a coach. I can tell you that right now. Reporting. Reporting. I was about to say. I was saying that sounds like somebody that knows information. That's reporting. He would be. He would be. In, if they called him up, he would be interested. So, if you are unfamiliar with Steve Lavin's resume, head coach at UCLA from 1960. 1960. Pardon. That would, be, that would be John Wood, Mr. Chatterbox. <laughs> Absolutely, it would. 1996. Pardon. To 2003 at UCLA. In those seven seasons. Made the NCAA tournament six times. Mm. Aside from that, his, la his latest head coaching job from 2010 to 2015 was at St. John's. Four of those five seasons, he made the NCAA tournament or the NIT. What do those two programs have in common with UNLV? One word. Maybe you got me. History. I was about to say, I was about to say championships. UCLA, St. John's, UNLV, all legacy. have all legacy programs. Steve Lavin, for what it's worth, is familiar with, with dealing with legacy programs, with being in big cities, with recruiting on the coast. That's what I'm saying. He is. That might be the best argument I've heard from He's recruited the West Coast. He's recruited the East Coast. East Coast. Yeah. He's got ties all over the country. Right? Absolutely. He was a Pac-10 coach of the year, of course. Head coaching record of 206 and 133. You tell me if that's Of course, the third name, the one that I have, in, I guess I'll say informed speculation on. This is not the first time. You know that it happened the last time as well. Rick Pitino's name is continuing to swirl. My question continues to go back to if, and I say if, Rick Pitino comes here. We know the first conversation that's going to be had. 2013 in Louisville is going to be brought up. And, and for that reason and that reason alone, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. So I continue to tell people this. And people continue to tell me that this is a possibility. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. Good way to put it. 
Um, this this next name you shocked me with, and I will say these next two names are both mics. The first one that you shocked me with was NBA longtime staple Mike Woodson. Talk to me. If UNLV reached out, there would be reason to believe that he would be interested in the head coaching vacancy. And there's also, I mean, like you said, longtime NBA staple, you know what that means? It means a lot of relationships. Absolutely. You know what that means? It means you can build a pretty good staff with some big time assistance. I'm just gonna leave it at that, with some big time assistance. So if UNLV reached out, I believe that there would be some interest on Mike Woodson's part. Now, would that excite the city? Would that excite the fan base? That's not for me to say. I'm a Minneapolis transplant. I didn't grow up a UNLV right. fan, right? But it would be a name. It'd be a big name, an established NBA name with a lot of relationships across all levels of basketball. That I can say for certainty. And I know we're still talking about college basketball, but we're going to get right back to it right now. But we're, again, we're live on stage right here in the middle of the Super Bowl. There's so much going on. But we are watching number three, West Virginia against number 11, Syracuse. We have another number three seed down by 11 right now. <laughs> we have about 15 and a half to go in, the, in, in regulation, but Syracuse is an 11 seed. Jimmy, if there's Jimmy Behan knows a thing or two about March. He does. Certain teams I'm just saying. You don't want to see. We, we talked about this before, I believe. Maybe you weren't here. We talk, I know for sure we talked to Tyler about it. Salim is a witness. We discussed, would you rather face... <laughs> you said the fix is in? The fix is in. <laughs> Vegas is undefeated. We know that for a fact. So, when I look at these teams, these, these 11 seeds, because Michigan State was, was, was a play-in 11 seed team, along with UCLA, who was also moving on. When we look at the best teams of the lower conferences, the, the Drakes of the world, that was the example that I gave before. Would you rather play the Drakes of the world in the first round who maybe dominated their conference but didn't get national attention, or would you rather play somebody from the Power Five conferences, but maybe was about five or six throughout the year? Who's more dangerous come March? Depends on the coach. Mm. Depends on the coach. I don't want to play against Jim Behan at any time. He could be a 16 seed. <laughs> that man knows how to put together a game plan. That man knows how to coach up his own defense. We've talked a lot about coaching and we're literally in the middle of listing UNLV's potential hires. So I think while we get back to that, we should also mention that UNLV has not been to the NCAA tournament since 2013. Wow. This is a once proud program. This is a historically great program. You know, every time I walk into the Thomas and Mac, I, me and my dad, we talk and we just know about just the history. Of, we have just like a, a we, we, well, clearly we have his tip-ins as well. And we know just the conversations that I have with my dad. And I tell him, when I walk into the Thomas and Mac, I feel history. When games start, I feel the energy. The moment that the game tips, I tell my dad it's not there. I don't wow. know what it is. Wow. I don't know what it is. How, how the mighty have fallen. I'll tell you what it is. 
Talk to them. It's a mid-major. It's an average mid-major program. And maybe before the game and leading up to the game, when you see the banners, you see the retired numbers, you see the accomplishments, you see the pre-game hype video, you see all that. Maybe for a second you feel like the UNLV can channel channel that history and, and right. bring it back. But then you watch the team play. Then you watch the team play. And you watch them struggle. Well said. Then you, you see well them struggle said. against Montana State. Yes. You see him really, really struggle against San Jose State. I mean, they're not on the wire against San Jose State. You see him struggle to put New Mexico away. And then that, that's when you were, that's when, that's the reality check. So as long as I've been fighting Salim on this, on this assertion that UNLV is trying to win with some men, it's true? You tell me. Thank you. No, NCAA tournament since 2013. And listen, this is not on the players. This is not on the players. This is not on the players. We know that college the NBA is a players game, college basketball is coaches game. Right. Coaching. But for whatever reason, UNLV has not been able to find the right fit as a head coach in 29 years. That's why you feel the way you feel when the game starts. So I'm we're gonna check and see because we're talking about coaching. And I think it's also interesting to mention that at the 4 o'clock hour, we will have UNLV head coach Linda LaRock on the line. She will be discussing her first season at UNLV, postseason selections. What else? We'll see what else. Maybe I'll get an, a statement on TJ. We'll see how this looks. But we do have head coach of the UNLV women's basketball team, the Lady Rebels. Lainey LaRock at the 4 o'clock hour. Um, I'm not even sure if we're actually going to, aside from our Instagram live reset, I'm not sure if we're going to do too many pauses in the show. We're going to keep everything going. Mike Woodson, he's a 10-year vet in the NBA as a player that I don't think a lot of people know about. Yeah, yep. 1996 was his first year of coaching. He has a ring in 2004 with the Detroit Pistons. And then, of course, he's formerly the head coach at a, with, a, with the Atlanta Hawks and the New York Knicks. Can you tell me who's the head coach of that Detroit Christmas team in 2004? Do I have to? Please do. Where are you going? Oh, oh. Let's just leave that there. In case you guys didn't hear me, the answer was Larry Brown. Just leave that there, please. You know what? To tell you how much trauma I still have, Every time I see Tayshaun Prince, I think in 2004, and I tell Reggie, dunk the ball. You're a Pacer fan. I have no idea. We, we're not going to talk about that. So, Mike Woodson, you've already mentioned that if UNLV was to make the call, there would be some interest. A conversation would be had. A conversation would could be had. Now, this last one, I'm going to be honest. I don't know if anybody has said it. Every time I bring up the name, everybody looks at me like I'm crazy. So maybe I need to say it. I've said it publicly two years ago. But I'm going to tell you guys what this person has done in the last two years. All right? Two years ago, this person was a part of the staff. You can say however it happened. You can say that the fix was in and he was already going to Memphis. Whatever the case may be. But this person was a part of the staff that recruited James Weissman to Memphis. However, most people don't understand he was only a coach at Memphis for one year. And since then, he was hired 
at Houston High School as the head coach of the men's basketball team. I'm here to inform you guys that on Thursday, Mike Miller coached the Houston High School basketball team to a state championship. Mike Miller is 41 years old. Mike Miller is a two-time NBA champion. Mike Miller is a former sixth man of the year. Mike Miller is a former rookie of the year. I will tell you that Mike Miller has ties to the city of Las Vegas. I don't know if Mike Miller is interested now, but I do know that there was interest two years ago. He was definitely interested in 2019. That's reporting. That's 100% 100% reported. He was interested From multiple in sources, I can confirm. We can confirm. Yes, you heard the same thing. Yes. That he was interested. Yes. I don't know if he's interested now. But that's the phone that needs to ring. Sam, we've continued to talk about coaching. Yep. And in about 20 minutes, we're going to give head coach Lindy Morocco a ring. And for me... I don't know if maybe you can help us out before she gets on, but I have a question, and that's kind of what I want to do with her. I just want to pick her brain. Yeah. Because maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Salim is wrong. Maybe Duna's wrong. Maybe Tyler's wrong. I, I'm not wrong. <laughs> Salim is never wrong. Let me correct that. No. Any, any other, any, anything suggesting otherwise is slander and libel. And, it can't uh, be proven? Um, listen, I'm going to tell you this much. Being wrong, we don't go together. <laughs> they don't mix. Well, the, one thing that, the one thing that you have said that I will say is that this women's basketball team on, on UNLV's campus is much better than the men's basketball team. Oh, absolutely. And in her first season, head coach Lily LaRock did prove that. We're going to talk a little bit about her first year because maybe all four of us are wrong, but we understood how automatic bids work. Right? So Wyoming wins the Mountain West tournament. They go to the Big Dens. However, even during the telecast, it mentions that the number two seeds in every conference has a bid to the NIT. Conference tournament, excuse me. I said conference. Conference tournament. However, UNLV loses to Wyoming in the first round, in the quarterfinals, I should say. Wyoming goes on to win it all. They beat Fresno State by three in the conference tournament's championship game. A team that the Lady Rebels has already beaten twice this year. So maybe if you can't answer this question, maybe head coach Lenny LaRock can answer the question. Why are the Fresno State Lady Bulldogs in the NIT and the Lady Rebels are not? Good question. Like you said, maybe Lindy has the answer. They didn't even finish with a better record. No. So California bias. I'm not gonna fight that. I'm not saying a word. If it's California bias, what am I gonna say? You're from California. I absolutely. So what do you want me to say to that? I'm not saying a word. You can have it. No, Whatever just, it is. I'm, you can... Look, guys, I'm just playing around. I, I have no idea why. Uh, but the lady room should be 
They should be playing for, for in, in postseason play. So we're going to get to that again in maybe 15 minutes or so. But when we look at this Lady Rebel team, Coach of the Year, Freshman of the Year, back-to-back defensive player of the year, 15-9 record, 13-5 in conference, 9-0 mm. on the road. Pretty good. Last time I checked, tournament games take place on the road, right? Neutral sites, yeah, away from home, for sure. Not at home, not at the friendly confines of Cox Pavilion. Maybe that's something else that head coach Lenny LaRock can inform us about. So, during this time while we're talking, we're watching West Virginia make a run. West Virginia's down four to Syracuse. When you look at the, the, I don't even want to say matchups left. I want to talk about games that are left for today. But when you look at Oklahoma State and Oregon State, a game that we were talking about earlier, remember that thing we talked about in terms of, and it's funny because we don't have a word for it, but remember that thing that we talked about every March that it just seems like one team has? Remember a couple of years ago I mentioned that Bruce Pearl had that thing? <laughs> Whatever it was, he had it. He did. So I knew Auburn going and making a Final Four run was possible. Is it possible that Oregon State has that thing this year? No. Nobody's talking about him. No, 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 it's not possible. Oregon State, Oregon State goes down today. That's why. <laughs> All jokes aside, I was at the Pac-12 tournament. Yes. Oregon State is a damn good defensive basketball team. Yes. And when you can defend, you're going to have a chance. Now, this is a different kind of offensive team because this offensive team has the best player in the country on it. Absolutely. Okay? And the number one pick in the NBA draft. But... I'm not writing off. I'm not ruling out Wayne Tinkle the possibility of him constructing a big time game plan to give Oklahoma State some trouble. We got so, an Oklahoma State fan with us. We have an Oklahoma State fan in front of us right now, and is Cade gonna drop forty tonight? He might. How, how, many, how many points does Cade drop tonight? Uh, I'll say nineteen. 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 Right on track with his average. Get, sounds about right. How much does Oklahoma State win by tonight? Seven. Seven. You giving them more? My man respects Oregon State. Yeah, you giving them more? State, yeah. Hard. Oregon State's they're tough. Hard. They're a tough yeah. defensive yeah. basketball team. Say, say, uh, Illinois is strong now. We're not worried about them, though. We're the same bracket. A final four one could open up for Oklahoma State. Yeah, yeah. Illinois, Chicago's going to be tough, though, man. Those yeah. boys can play. Yeah. And they, and they continue to have a thing. You just mentioned earlier that that wasn't an upset. No. It was, but it wasn't. Can't be so, shocked by it. In your in your bracket, I guess I'll ask you one more question while you're standing here. Oklahoma State, you're an Oklahoma State fan. Yeah. Who in the bracket since Illinois is gone? Okay. Who are you looking at in terms of the biggest threat now? Look at Illinois Chicago. They've been there before. Yep. There you go. Oklahoma State wins tonight. That's who we play next. Yep. Then you got you, you. What do we have? Houston in the other bracket. Houston's tough. Houston's a tough team. Houston's tough, yeah, yeah. Houston's a tough team. So the thing with me and and watching March Madness, I don't feel like you can pinpoint that Cinderella 
I don't feel like most years. I don't feel like you can pinpoint that Cinderella in the first round. I don't feel like. So now that we're a couple of rounds in, and we've seen these upsets and not so much upsets shake out. Yep, yep. Who of the seven and below seeds are you most worried about? Loyola Chicago. Yeah, Loyola Chicago is your answer. For you, that's that, that's he's been there, man. Yeah, right. Look, yeah. look what they did to Illinois. They've got a bit. They got a, a tremendous yeah. coach, and they got a bad right. case of been there, that's done the that. That's the team, man. Yeah, they you got a bad case of been there. I'm going with the team that's on the television screen right now, and I'm going number 11, Syracuse. Well, they, gotta, well, they still have to finish this game off. Of course. We already saw Loyola Chicago take care of business. Very true. Very true. Against the number one seed we've already mentioned is Syracuse. Thank you. Syracuse is also in the middle of playing West Virginia. That game has about 10.47 to go. Syracuse does have a five-point lead. Um, do you want to continue to talk about Oklahoma and Oregon State, or do you want to talk about um, excuse me, North Texas and Villanova? Is that tonight? That is. I got Villanova. You know who's got, you know who's got a bad, bad case of been there, done that? Jay Wright. My main man, Jay Wright, runs the best pet player development program in the country. When Colin Gillespie goes out, they got more guards to fill in. And they, they took care of business against a good win for the team the other night. And North Texas was fun. But I don't, North Texas ain't beating the mighty Wildcats tonight. If they are, then we can really, we can talk Cinderella. But like you said, you can't talk Cinderella in the first in, on opening night. Right now, a, a team that I feel like doesn't get enough respect in the in their conference number one, but especially in the in the moments where they make the big dance, and that team is Florida. However, Florida is facing a team tonight that, as I said before, I was explaining to somebody how the tournament works. And in the middle of explaining it to her, I said, this is the bracket, and we're going to play all of these games today to figure out who gets to play two days. So in saying that to her, I had to give her an example. I'm explaining in the middle of the first game, which the first game of the, of the, of the not the first, I should say, of the first round, was Florida and Virginia Tech. Sure. In the middle of that game, we start to see, okay, this could go either way. So I tell her, regardless of the way that this happens, they're going to have to play the winner of Ohio State and Oral Roberts. I said, this is where everybody gets excited. This is March Madness. Upsets happen. I said, I can almost, I said, out of everything else on here, I said, I'm not going to lie. This is the one I'm very tempted to write OSU. And then two hours passed. And I went to her and I said, remember that thing I said about March Madness? Yeah. OSU isn't moving on. <laughs> That's madness. Oh. I'm t- I think I was most heartbroken by, t- by, by Texas. That was a Final Four team for me. Like, I'm telling you that. Oh. All right, moving on. Moving on. Before we go ahead and, and I just confirmed right now, Lenny LaRocca said that we are good at 4 o'clock. So we're going to go ahead and reset in maybe about six minutes. So about 3.55 will reset. But aside from that, we need to discuss in these last five minutes. Who are you? I need your reporter cap for one. Okay. And I need the Minnesota Sammy G cap for the other. Okay. Deal? Okay, which you got one, it. Which, which, which one you want to go with first? We'll go with the Minnesota. Minnesota hat. Yeah, let's do that one first. Who would you like to see as head coach of the UNLV Renner Rebels? Who would I like to see? Yeah. I want somebody that's interesting for me to cover journalistically. I want I want somebody that, that there's a couple ways to be interesting be good or have be a big personality or have a big big name that's all i care about 
So there's a number of them. Well, I, of course I'd love Rick Pitino. Who wouldn't? Absolutely. You'd have the Katana on fire. As we know, that's not happening. So um, with that said, that's, is there a candidate here that is, is capable of coming to turn, turn around the program and creating a buzz that hasn't been there since I've been in, in this town since 2017? There just hasn't been a buzz. There hasn't right. been anything you could palpably feel. So that's, that's what I want first and foremost. So that's my Minnesota cap. And as far as the reporter cap, we mentioned the five names that are on my list. Yeah. And the name that you tweeted out most recently was a name that was on my list two years ago. Yeah. He wasn't on my list this time. Oh. Not that I don't want him. Sure. But going back to revolving door at UNLV, why would I want to go sit? Why would I want to go sit in that chair? And you can go ahead and break the news for anybody who is unfamiliar with the name that we're talking about. Who is that name that has emerged as a potential candidate for UNLV? Jason Kidd, current Los Angeles Lakers assistant, NBA Hall of Fame point guard, two-time Olympic gold medalist. Oh my gosh! Now. He was interested in the job in 2019. This is before he was with the Lakers. He, he, was, he was interested in the job. And one of the sticking points was he didn't have a college degree. Right. I've been told by multiple sources, the knowledge of the situation, that he since obtained his degree in order to be eligible to coach the college level. Awesome. And I know that UNLV is interested in his candidacy and that there was a thought, there was a thought that he would be interested in the job as well. Now, you have to remember, okay. when Jerry Tarkanian was here, he was recruiting Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd was thinking about coming to UNLV. And Jerry, Jerry Tarkanian wasn't here anymore. And then Jason Kidd ends up a cow in the rest of his history. But there's a world, if you were to simulate life a hundred times, there's there, a couple of those simulations end up with Jason Kidd at UNLV. And there's been a connection there. He's familiar with the city because of USA Basketball. Exactly. He's practiced here. He's familiar with the facilities. He knows kind of everything about what the town has to offer. And he's a massive, I mean, he's a huge, you want to make a splash? Go bring in one of the greatest players in NBA history. <laughs> That's a way to make a splash. That's a way, a way to at least invigorate, inject a little life in this program. They are interested. He, he is one of the names that, that has emerged as a possible candidate of interest. I don't think that anybody would argue that that's potentially the biggest name of anybody that we mentioned outside of maybe Rick So when you look at Jason Kidd's development, yeah. ability, I should say developmental ability, Giannis Antetokounmpo credits Jason Kidd for his growth in the building. Yes, he does, and that matters. And we know LeBron likes Jason Kidd, has Absolutely. mutual respect from playing with USA Basketball, and obviously Jason Kidd has one of those intellects, those rare intellects that LeBron also has, so there's a lot of respect there. He didn't have a lot of, he, didn't, he wasn't the most successful NBA coach. Okay, right. doesn't mean he's going to be a bad college coach. Guess who else didn't have any success as an NBA coach? Rick Pitino. Rick Pitino didn't have any success as an NBA coach. Tremendous college coach. Right. Leonard Hamilton did not have any we can success. Keep going down the list. He can keep going down the list. Not everybody's cut out to be an amazing NBA head coach. And with that said, I mean, Jason Kidd did make the playoffs a couple times. It wasn't like Absolutely. they were just 20 and 62 every year. Absolutely. They were a respectable team. Now, it just so happens in Milwaukee, Mike Budenholzer has done a better job. He's gotten more out of that group. But like you said, you can find the quotes, you can Google them, they're all over. Giannis Antetokounmpo has been very, very public with his effusive praise of Jason Kidd and really respects him. And if he respects him and LeBron respects him and, and a lot of other NBA players respect his mind and his intellect, that says something. That's a, the guy, guy knows basketball. At the very least. At the very least. At the very least. At the very least. The very least. So me and Celine was actually talking about it a little bit before, and we have a minute left, so I just want to start this, ro start this roster out, right? In your starting five of potential players who wanted to come to UNLV, 
we have Jason Kidd and Lamar on. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. I just know that we need to build out that roster. Dude, I mean, you dig hard enough, you could probably build out a nice 12. You build out 12. You can build out. You can build out a coaching staff of people that wanted to coach at UNLV but didn't get hired. That would that would frustrate me. The coaching list that would I don't want. That's the one I don't want to talk about. <laughs> we can do the players, but while we were talking and while we were going ahead and getting getting ready for this second hour, West Virginia just took their first look at the game. UNLV has a lot of nerve. UNLV has a lot of nerve to turn down coaches. Yeah, Salim no said argue, not us. No argument here. I mean, at all. At all. Can and you imagine being like a really good coach and UNLV being like, no. Tells you no. Tells you now we don't need you. I would consider something. I don't know. <laughs> you, I mean, just go to another team. That's what other teams are continuing to do. Chris Bird, Chris Beer, excuse me. Mick Cronin. Who else? Who else? TJ Osterberger now. Marvin Menzies has had success even though he's not the head coach at GCU. It's just, it, again, this revolving door at UNLV, we shall see. I mean, there was an opportunity to hire Rick Pitino here in, in 2001. He ends up going to Louisville instead of the rest of his history. Revolving door. Players, coaches, you know. This is something that, again, continues to happen at UNLV, but it does seem like they might have found their mainstay and least for the time being here with the women's basketball team and head coach Lindy LaRock, who we will be opening our second hour with. Um, what is this once again? We are seven minutes and 20 seconds out of the, of the final for West Virginia and Syracuse. We will be back with our second hour. Stay with us. We are live at the Westgate Las Vegas Resort and Casino. Hour two of Talk 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 coming up. I need some water. No, you're good. You got this drink today. Uh, Kobe. You can start that up now. Talk That Talk radio show reports live from the Westgate Las Vegas Resort and Casino from the largest superbook in the world for over 50 years. Formerly known as the largest hotel in the world for nearly a decade, the Westgate Las Vegas Resort and Casino is packed right now. We're literally live on stage. We're looking at every cubby, I believe, is full. The bar is full. The clubhouse is full. The lines are full. The windows are full. And that sounds like it's March Madness. Again, if you want to be a part of this atmosphere, which I suggest you do, with Sam Gordon here, many, what is this, Minnesota's own, as always, Sam Gordon feels like you should be a part of this as well. This is located at 3000 Paradise Road, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89109. We went into the break talking about Syracuse and West Virginia. That game is still a two-point game with about six minutes to go. Syracuse does hold on, or is holding on to the lead currently. We spoke about the men's basketball head coaching situation. There's so much uncertainty surrounding that, but it seems like there's been a prayer that was answered for the women's basketball team in the form of head coach Lindy LaRock. And as promised in the previous hour, we do have head coach Lindy LaRock with us right now. Coach, can you hear us? Beautiful, beautiful coach. So, first of all, thank you for joining us, first of all. Second of all, first year at UNLV, 15 and 9, 13 and 5 in conference. 
the number that sticks out to me is 9 and 0 on the road. That. Take your best guess. The Public Mass Media Center, 1109 Texas. Come join us in the Public Room. We're located right here adjacent to the Super And once again, if you guys are unfamiliar with where the stage is located in the Super Bowl, we are located right next door to the Poker Room. Go ahead. Do we have snacks outside of there? We have t-shirts over here on our set. Please come be a part of this. But coach, we were just in the middle of your first season, 15 and nine, um, before the, before postseason play, or before conference tournament play, excuse me, 13 and five, in the Mountain West, nine and zero on the road. All of that results in you being named Mountain West Coach of the Year overall. What's your assessment of your first season at UNLV? And you, you spoke about high moments and the team continued to, I don't want to say roller coaster, but that's exactly what this was. You talked about the COVID, you talked about just the way that the season has gone. And it was a roller coaster up and down, not only for UNLV, but for other programs around the country. But the next question, I kind of want to jump all the way to the end. And I want to talk selection process. So during the tournament, maybe you can debunk a couple of things for me for sure, maybe for a couple of us up, up here on set. Maybe I'm wrong, but during the Mountain West Conference Tournament, we of course know that the automatic bid goes to the winner. However, it was said during the telecast that the second seed in the conference would at the very least get a women's NIT bid. Now, before we go too much further on that, UNLV did not receive that bid. What to your, first of all, is that true? Is there any truth to that? And then what is your, I guess, opinion so far on the selection process and how it went down this season? Well, like
conference tournament, so then they automatically qualified for the NIT, and that, and that happened, I think, maybe in, you know, six, seven, eight conferences around the country where, um, you know, the, the number one overall seed didn't win the conference tournament, so they got the automatic qualifier. Other than that, um, they changed some of the rules just for this year for that NIT because they, um, you know, they shortened their field only to 32 teams. I hope that, that helps or not, and hopefully that did a decent job explaining it. No, it does a lot, actually. Um, so that debunks a lot of the, the things that I were th was thinking, because I was thinking maybe I'm just wrong, like in terms of my thought process. So maybe I was unfamiliar with the shortening of the field. So in knowing that the, that the field was shortened, Wyoming received their automatic bid by winning the tournament. Fresno State was given a, a bid into the women's NIT tournament. Your team holds not one win over Fresno State, but two wins over Fresno State. More so than that, there were wins over the Lady Bulldogs in Fresno State. I'm not even sure how to ask this question outside of the fact of do you, and I don't even know what answer I'm expecting here, but do you feel like your team with those two wins deserved the spot over Fresno State in the NIT? I mean, obviously, I think we had a great year, um, and especially late in the year, we were really playing, you know, our best basketball. And, you know, for the selection committees, you know, I think that they, they have a number of things on their criteria of how they select teams. Um, you know, I'm going to say, I don't know what maybe the best way to say this is, but especially for this year among the challenges, I think the thing that they leaned heaviest on was the net rankings, you know, they've done that on the men's side, and especially for the women. And so, from a net ranking standpoint, I believe, you know, Fresno State was like 86 or something, and, and ours was like 115, you know, which that takes into account of strength and schedule and all this stuff. So, you know, I, I think maybe we They're deserving of postseason play, but uh, you know I, I also maybe side with your argument a little bit that you know, well if they're as deserving, you know I think in a normal year um, we would be just as deserving. You know we're trying not to put too much credit on some of that, and again you know the message for our team and our program is what we gotta you know control our own destiny and, and take care of our own business and not leave it on other people or a committee or any type of decisions from someone else outside of our circle. Do you have a Lenny, this is Sam Gore with the Las Vegas Review Journal, uh, rocking with, with Chatterbox here today. Appreciate you joining the show. Just wanted to check in with you about your freshman class. Um, obviously, you had an, a sensational freshman class. When did you know that group was going to be special and, 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 and have the impact that they, that they had this, this year? Well, you know, uh, Sam, it's, it's good chatting with you. Um, Freshman of the year, obviously, and, and Desiree Young, um, you 
while someone that didn't start at the beginning of the year and really kind of had to earn her way um, and just, you know, took, took, took the reins and ran with it. Um, and so, I mean, she was, she really had a phenomenal year. And then, you know, Jane Thomas started every game for us um, at the guard position and just really steady. And again, you know, we were, we were kind of limited on our depth, um, you know, from the get-go with only um, 11 players. So we knew that was going to maybe play a factor, but, you know, you have to credit, especially those young, young freshmen when they're, you know, they, obviously they don't know anything about college basketball, and this is a year that, you know, is different than even normal basketball players, but they didn't want to distract them, and, um, you know, they just went out there and gave them all. So, as a coach, you know, I couldn't be more proud. I'm happy they're, they're on our team, and I'm happy they're going to be sophomores next year. <laughs> Most definitely. And coach, you just spoke about freshman of the year and Desiree Young. You just spoke about just multiple parts of your team, but I also want to highlight defensive player of the year, Bailey Thomas. Nia Johnson was also mentioned or named to the all-conference team. Moving forward, of course, we don't want to we don't want to talk too much about postseason selections and shortened tournaments and things like that, shortened fields. But moving forward, you just talked about the fact that you're so happy that they're that they're sophomores um, next season. Where does that next step begin? We already know what that next step looks like, but where does that next step start? get some attention and kind of climb your way to the top. The harder part is to stay there, you know. Um, you know, so Desi, uh, Leah, our, our team isn't going to be a surprise to anyone next year. We're great, um, talented young freshmen coming in. Um, you know, we have a lot of returners that played a lot of minutes. Um, you know, so now our challenge is well, we're not going to sneak up on anyone next year. I mean, frankly, we're... You know, we, we, we did a great job this year and kind of taking our care of our business and really putting our, our you know, stamp on the map. So now we have to be even better and we have to play even more with, you know, not the underdog role anymore. We're, we're going to be, um, you know, expected to win because because that's what we've earned and, and that's where we want to be. So, you know, sometimes it's easy to do it once, but, you know, now to consistently stay at the top, be the hunted, not just the hunter, um, and remain there. That That's our challenge, and, um, you know, that, that's how we build uh, and continue to build on it and be a great program. For anybody who is walking by listening to the show, for anybody who is at home, um, listening to the recording of this show on SoundCloud, you guys have heard me mention the scheduling of Stanford this season. I've had trouble trying to put into words the guts that it took and how much I've mentioned. Coach, I'm going to try to give you this analogy really quick. I said sometimes you're too young to, to know. And what I mean by that is sometimes that's, there's a good thing, or that's a good thing. And what I mean is Seeing Stanford so early in the year, I think, made Mountain West teams look a little bit different to your freshmen. I guess that wasn't even a question. But how much of that do you feel took place this season? Well, you know, obviously, and that, that wasn't my original intent. You know, we didn't originally have them scheduled, um, you know, 
chalk it up to another crazy COVID situation. Um, and so we ended up, you know, having them on the schedule, playing them at home. And I couldn't agree more with you. While it wasn't initially intended, it might be the best thing that happened, especially for this young team, but then also for our program moving forward that we're not going to be scared of anyone. Uh, and, you know, especially that early in the year, like you said, we played the very best team in the country, you know, and so every other game after that, it's like, well, you know, it's not like they're the best team in the country. We've already played them, you know? Right. Um, and frankly, we did some really good things against against Stanford that we held on to and came back to, um, whether it's Desi, you know, it's like you scored in the post on, on this player and that player, and they're on the number one team. You can do that against yep. anyone. You know, we made shots. We guarded this person and that person. Uh, you can guard, you know, a conference player. So, um, you know, I do think, you know, things always kind of happen for a reason, and um, that was something that really, I do believe, really, really helped our season uh, throughout, and, and we definitely came back to it. Lindy, where do you feel like, in what ways do you feel like you grew the most as a coach um, during your first year with UNLV? Man, I mean, what a great question. You know, obviously our young team grew, and I grew right alongside with them. Uh, you know, never having been in this seat before. Just as everything was new for them, everything was new for me. I mean, you know, my first, very first pre-game speech, my very first post-game speech, obviously, the wins, the losses, um, you know, and so I just, you know, at the beginning of the year, we approached the season and each other as a new team, you know, with an open heart, an open mind, and I made plenty of mistakes, as did they on the floor, um, but we still loved each other, and, and you know, we never pointed fingers or any, any one person's fault, and, um, you know, I, I, I really, I, there's, there's almost like too many ways that I think I uh, grew and, and still have to grow. But, um, you know, it's just, it, it's just such an honor and a privilege to, to lead this program and this team. And Coach, I just have two last ones for you. This, this first one literally just came to me right now because of something that you said maybe two or three questions ago. You mentioned that the selection committee, they, they, you feel like they go, and I think they even mentioned that they go off of net rankings. And it's not just for the women's side, but it's also for the men's side. Speaking about the difference between the men's side and the women's side, so much has been made this week about training equipment, whether it's sleeping arrangements, whether it's food. This is not the first time that we've heard women athletes complain of it not being an even playing field. This goes back to the WNBA wobble, where they said that their sleeping arrangements, their laundry, all everything was not, was not up to par. And regardless of not being up to par, it wasn't equivalent of, of the men's side. Seeing the continued fight and uphill climb that not only women have in everyday life, but women have an athletic not only just competition, whether they're playing, but also coaching, refereeing, and beyond. As a, 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 a fighter in the fight yourself actively, what's your opinion on that? players, you know, and then I was the assistant coach, and now 
even being in a leadership role, I feel, you know, more responsibility than ever to A, create those same opportunities for younger women, because it's, you know, it, it, it's up to us, the women in, in some leadership roles, to, to really reach our hand down and bring people along with us. Um, but, you know, the, dis the disparities and the discrepancies in equipment and, you know, media coverage and tone and all of that, um, it's just simply unacceptable. Um, and we have to continue to kind of put it on the platform um, to, to garner, you know, where we want to go and, and, and the equal, you know, opportunity and, you know, the equal level that uh, women preserve just as much as men. So, um, you know, as, as women in sports, I think we have come a long way, um, but, you know, the media lately just shows you that, like, well, we sure are way far off still. As far as we've come, man, we still have to keep it at the forefront. We have to continue to work our tail off, um, you know, especially for the next generations, for the young young women, uh, you know, coming up in, in sports. And Coach, this last question for me. Um, I, I love doing this when, when I interview different people, but this is the time where I to give you a little bit about myself. So I coach middle school basketball, right? And that gave me a small glimpse into what, a very small glimpse into what coaches have to deal with, not in terms of only coaching the game, but managing a team. So in doing that, I understand that so much more goes into it. I feel like there's no better person to speak to than a head coach herself right now. The biggest news, not only on campus, but biggest news in Las Vegas currently, is former Running Rebels head coach TJ Osterberger is returning. I'm, I know he's not from Iowa, but I'm going to call it home for him. This is his third stint as a Cyclone. He's returning to Ames as the head coach of the Iowa State Cyclones. What was your reaction to that news when that broke? Well, obviously, you know, uh, I feel like, like a lot of people, I was sad to see TJ go. You know, um, he's been a great friend and mentor you know, kind of working partner for me, especially, you know, during my first year. It's been extremely important to have a great relationship with our men's staff to work alongside each other because I think the success of both of us helps us both go farther. So, you know, sad to see him go, um, you know, it's totally understandable in a lot of ways, you know, that is a great job. You know, it, it doesn't really come down to money um, or anything like that. I think it's just opportunity and timing. And I think, obviously, unfortunately, you know, you and OP were kind of on the, the bad side of it. Um, you know, but I'm fully confident in our administration uh, and our athletics director, Desiree Reed-Francois, that she's going to get, you know, an absolute um, rock star, A-plus uh, candidate to fill those shoes and, and take the program and continue you know, to elevate it to where we all want it to be. As always, Coach, we thank you so much. We thank you for being candid. We thank you for being open. And as always, until next time, we appreciate it, Coach. Hey, guys, thank you. It's so great to have Coach Madness. I know we missed this last year, so it's great to, you know, talk with you guys. Thanks for having me on. Um, and looking forward to connecting again soon. Sounds great, Coach. Thank you. So, as always, 
thank you to head coach Lady LaRock once again. I think told us a lot of informing things. Uh, helped me out with the selection process. I don't know why the tournament field being shrunk wasn't a thought process for me. <laughs> so that that didn't register. So it's definitely cool to hear her come on and debunk a couple of things. Um, we won't have time today, but we, we continue our active, verbal, physical, figurative, mental, emotional fight with for for women's sports. We continue that. We continue our um our our just push for that. And um, we are what two well we're four and a half seconds out of this West Virginia Syracuse game. The mic is still on, yeah? Yep, we're good to go. Um high drama. Very high, high drama. drama. <laughs> During the interview, I think and it, you can't beat it. Shout out to Brian Salmon from channel from channel three. Every time I talk to him, he says whenever it gets it's time to do a live read, especially if you're outside. Everything is quiet. Yeah. Till you say action. Then you hear buses, you hear horns. It's like, what is going on? The moment that we got head coach Lindy LaRock on the phone, West Virginia made another push. <laughs> and on top, and what is uh, another push for West Virginia produce? A lot of cheers. Oh my gosh, a lot of cheers. In. Hundreds and hundreds of, uh, of faithful at the West Westgate Superbook. I think every time West Virginia makes a basket, that entire row at the bar goes. Do you know up. what the line was? I don't know. That was something that actually, can I see it from here? My eyes aren't that bad, but I'm going to be staring from here as I'm talking to you. Um, Salim, you said to go Deshaun Watson now. We're going Deshaun Watson now. and Okay, so we're going to go Deshaun Watson now. So, first of all, I think this is perfect coming off of our fight for women's sports and fight for women. This is perfect. So, I feel the need to always open every conversation about this with... We here at the Talk That Talk, not only radio show, but Talk That Talk media company, we are actively against any abuse of women. Sexual, emotional, mental, physical, physical. I said emotional, I said man, every, every way, financial, every way possible, we're against abuse of women. Most recently, Deshaun Watson, current quarterback of the Houston Texans, has had, I think at the first time when I first wrote this down, he had seven cases. So, right now, there are 12 official cases. 12 official cases. With, Civil suit filings. With uh, 10 other women currently being vetted by that same lawyer to see if their cases are So there's 22 women in total who have made complaints. Can we get that lawyer's name too? We're going to get the name Tony of the lawyer. Busby. One more time? Tony Busby. Tony Busby? Yep. So Tony Busby. That is the person that is representing all of the women that are that have filed suits against Deshaun Watson. As the final buzzer goes off and Syracuse comes away with a three-point win. 75-72. That's another Big 12 team gone, man. Gone. Adios. <laughs> but Baylor won. Baylor did win. My Big 12 picks just don't look good. I got Oklahoma State. I got Oklahoma State and Baylor. That's what I got to hang my hat on right now. But so as Syracuse moves on, they will await the winner of Rutgers and Houston, which is actually, what, 
eight minutes, seven and a half minutes in right now. Uh, Houston does have a 12 to seven lead over Houston, or, excuse me, over Rutgers. So going back to the Deshaun Watson case, perfect time to mention Houston once again. These, if true, first of all, if true, I'm unsure of where the NFL goes with Deshaun Watson. Well, for, for right now, lawyer uh, Tony Busby is set to release evidence this week. Yes, I did hear. I did hear evidence and was there could next. Be criminal charges uh, possibly being pressed as well. Um, just on my own personal opinion, if you know, look, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I believe it's true. I, I can't discount 22 women, just like you know, with uh, Harvey Weinstein in the past, and obviously there's a different case with Cosby. But regardless whether I think it's true or not, if it comes out and he's convicted, whether it's in a civil or criminal, I think he probably will be suspended without pay. And as of oh sorry, hold on. Uh oh. There are teams according to uh, a reporter from Houston, the Houston product mm -hmm. that are still interested in Deshaun Watson. And that's the nature of the NFL. Deshaun Watson is still going to have a team awaiting him on the, up, on the opposite no side of suspension. If, if the case does, or if the um, situation does prove to go that far. So, again, if true, I don't think anybody on this set will have anything to say in defense of Deshaun Watson. However, I do believe we need to look at the Houston, Texas organization. Now, I don't know how this sounds. I don't know what this looks like. Again, we are not finna speculate whether it's true or not. We know that we're gonna deal with the, with the information that's presented to us. However, Salim mentioned something a couple of months ago and we wanted to confirm, former owner of the Houston Texans, Bob McNair, who is no longer here, he has, he has gone, he has passed away. He is the owner that is famously known for saying that we can't allow being the NFL. We can't allow. We can't have the inmates running the asylum. Bless. We can't have the inmates running the asylum, and that is a direct quote. The family still owns the team. The lawyer is a family friend. Does that strike anybody as odd? No. I, I get where people are coming from. But Pro Football Talk, I read a report on Pro Football Talk that the Texans are accepting that they're going to have to trade him, and they're not going to tank his trade value on purpose. Right. They're not going to put anything in place to, that would that would disrupt his trade value. Um, but I, I get it. Based on the way, I mean, there's no secret about it. Take Deshaun Watson out of the equation. The Houston Texans are one of the poorly worst-run franchises in, in sports. That's Absolutely. not, I mean, we, there's years of, there, there, there's years of, there's a track record. I mean, they didn't have a general manager. They, the, 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 the head coach was confronted by the star player, J.J. Uh, Watt. There were a number of reports that he was conf that Bill O'Brien was confronted by J.J. Watt during the season. They, they, they make in inexcusable trades, trading DeAndre Hopkins, uh, giving up a, a boatload of picks and, and players basically to get Laramie Tunsil. Um, th this is a very, very poorly run organization. We're, again, regardless of the Sean Watson situation, what's going on with the accusations. So... With that said, I can understand a little bit of, of, of kind of the timing does feel weird, but like, like Salim said, 22 names is a lot of names. 
and the false accusation is a false sexual assault accusation between two and ten percent. Same as other crimes. Absolutely. Right. We only we only we tend to only there's only a dialogue about oh false rape accusations. No, there's false every accusations. Where's Absolutely. the dialogue for those other crimes? What where and, where's and sorry to cut you off, Sam, but this is also very important. If let's say if it was a conspiracy, wouldn't they get a lawyer that wasn't friends with the family to do it? Yes. Well, technically, based on what Sam just said, no. They're not smart. Like, that's just the organization itself. We're not talking about the case. We're talking about the organization. So that was one question that I had. So this one was interesting for me. One of two things, not that they, I guess you can't really know if your organization or something like that is going on. However, of course, things are swirling. What about the possibility? And you just said that they wouldn't, they wouldn't trade his, uh, excuse me, diminish his value. Me and Celine just um, opened this up by saying, Deshaun Watson is still going to have trade offers on the table. It's not going to change too much. I truthfully don't, don't think so. So that says more to the NFL and the nature of that and how they deal with cases like these. I think that's the bigger testament to one of those. However. If Deshaun Watson did do these things over the years, let's say that the Houston Texans knew about it and they kept it under wraps while he was the face of their franchise. Now there's no longer a need to protect them. I'm just throwing things at a wall and seeing what it stick. What do you guys feel about that? Absolutely. And I don't think it will be over the next week. I think it will be over the next couple of weeks. So we'll definitely be still reporting on this. Um, second half just began for Iowa. Or, I don't know if I'm Iowa. Um, probably because TJ. <laughs> second half just started for Arkansas and Texas Tech. Big 12. Yes. Another Big 12 team. I'm going to be honest, man. I wasn't sure they was going to get away from Utah State. So the fact that Texas Tech is here right now. That's that, that's your Mountain West. Those are your Mountain West roots pulling that shit. I think so, but I didn't have San Diego State beating Syracuse. I got that one wrong. I, that. <laughs> I got that one wrong. I, I just it's something about those teams. We talked about it again. I don't need to re, uh, reiterate right now, but we did talk about just those those middle of the pack teams and those heavy hitter conferences. Um, thank you again to Lindy the Rock for joining us. And, and just talking basketball with us, talking March Madness with us, and talking women's and women in sports with us. So these last 25 minutes or so, Sam, in the midst of all of this March Madness, man, I feel like you're staring at the same exact screen that I'm looking at. Washington and Brooklyn? No. Okay, we're not. Uh, Detroit and Chicago. This is the beauty. 
of the sports book because I am absolutely not watching Blake Griffin's debut with the Brooklyn Nets against the Washington Wizards right now. But you are going to read about it after the game. Most definitely. I am. <laughs> but we are, or at least I am. I'm looking at the Vegas Golden Knights. Looking up at the Kings, they're down by two in the second period. I want to talk about Friday's game a little bit. Uh, Celine, do we have the final for Friday's game? I want to talk about a couple different things. Robin Leonard. He dusted him off. Yeah, man. Back in the fold. Yeah, man. First of all, let's talk about the way that he looked in the return. The start was solid. It was... Let's be honest. Was it anticipated? How, how he responded and how he played? No. Okay. I, w- I just wanted to make sure that we didn't have a VGK homer right here where we were going to think that Robin Hooder was going to come back and be this world beater. No. I, I think especially when you couple that with the way that he looked before he left, it's impossible to say he's going to come back and be a world beater. So, for me, I think him playing so well, and or looking so well in his return, I think all that did was cause more questions about this two-goalie lineup for, for the uh, Peter Boer and his voting. Well, that's, I mean, well, the crazy thing about that whole situation is he's been, he's, he's had this situation hanging over his head since he got the job. Right. The team's still great. It feels like no matter what he does, it works. Now, really, all you have to do is kind of figure out who you're going to roll with the postseason, right? I mean, that's what you're doing. You know your lineup is so stacked. Right. You're so stacked. I mean, four lines uh, that can all go. You got deep, par- deep pairings that can clamp anybody up, that can, you can score from the point. You can, you can do whatever you want for the blue line. Big time, big time roster. Who, can, can you figure out who your number one goalie is going to be when you get in the playoffs? Because as we know for this team, they've proven it over the last three regular seasons. They, 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 they have enough talent to, to, to get over the top. They just haven't done it yet. What goalie is going to put him over the top of the playoffs? What, what do you think, based on what you've seen so far? Based on what you know since Pete DeBoer got here, based on what you know about Robin Leonard, based on what you know about Mark andre Fleury, the legendary Marc-Andre Fleury, especially in this time. Yes. What, what, what are your thoughts? Uh, before we get to mine, so then you got the final from, uh, uh, from yeah, Friday? It was 4-2. 4-2, nice. And, and right now they are losing to the Kings. Two two. From, uh, about California. three minutes and 38 seconds left in the second period. Yeah. Sounds good, sounds good. So 3.38 to go in the second period. The Knights are down to the Kings by two. Um, we just spoke about Robin Leonard. And Sam, you presented a question to me. And... The reason why I'm so upset at this question is because it was a question that I had for you. So we've talked so much about on this um, on this on this platform about just that. Come postseason, you can't keep doing this back and forth. No. So maybe you're against it, but I feel like you have to go with the hot hand. If the playoffs started today, I'm going with Mark Andre Fleury. However. If Marc-Andre Fleury has a couple of hangups toward the end of the year and Robin Leonard is looking like he did on Friday, do you go with Robin Leonard regardless of the way to the regular season? Even, even, if, even though Marc-Andre Fleury is looking over the even though he looks like Pittsburgh Marc-Andre it's a tough call. That's why I'm asking. If, yeah, doesn't, if, he, if he doesn't look like Pittsburgh Marc-Andre Fleury in the last two weeks of the season, do you, can you risk? I'm giving it a game one. And then show me what you got game one. 
Are you going? Are you giving him game one already knowing who your game two starter is, or are you giving him game one with open mind for game two? I'm giving him a, a game one with an open mind for game two. You do your thing, game one. Guaranteed he gets game you're one. You're gonna get game two. Yeah, I'm, I'm giving him game, provided he sustains his level of play for through, through 85 or 90 percent of the season. Yes. So what happens? What would have to happen? And this probably sounds pessimistic, but what would have to happen? Play wise for you to say, Mark Andre Fleury, we're going to go Robin Leonard again. He would have to become a Sith. All right. So, I'm rocking with Mark Andre Fleury. I'm rocking with him. Well, as long as you rock with him, I think this is the perfect time to mention. He's rocking with us in the middle of the table right now. We do have our limited edition Mark Andre Fleury bobbleheads. People have been walking by looking at it. I've been telling anybody that'll listen follow us on SoundCloud. Talk That Talk Radio Show. Once again, follow us on SoundCloud. Talk That Talk Radio Show. We have any subscriber, actually every subscriber, not any, every subscriber will be entered into this raffle. The winner will be announced on March 31st. That is one of our Wednesday night shows, 10 p.m. We'll open the show with that. Uh, Sam, how long should I get the person to reach out? They got to reach out right away. Has to, right? Has to. Because I know everybody else is going to be sitting there like, nah, fam, nah, do it again. Do it again, then. Straight up. (laughs) So, what do we have now? We have, what, 10 days? 10 days. 10 more days for this, and then 10 days from now, this will be out of my hand. Chatterbox, all I'm saying is, I'm just saying, and I'm a sportsman, and I live on Las Vegas, I'd be through that raffle. I'd want that on my hand. I've asked Kobe three times, do I count? Because I'm su- I'm subscribed. <laughs> so I just want to know, do I count? Kobe keeps telling me no. I'm with Kobe on that one. Okay, I will admit it looks weird if I win. Yeah, weird. <laughs> you want to talk about the picture being in? Yes. Celine. Yes. Yeah. I just want somebody to rig this for me, and the people that are doing it won't do it. So I don't know what to do. I guess I can't have this anymore. Whatever. <laughs> and so maybe Salima helped. Maybe Salima helped me out. So the, the Golden Knights right now, they're wrapping up a power play right now, but they are looking up at the um, at the Kings in this game, but they're not looking up at anybody in the West Division. Salim, can you give us a, an update on that uh, standings, on their record, please? Yes. And lastly, while you're, while you're looking for that, so, um, Sam, I want to talk to you about William Carlson versus Colbert. You ready? I'm as ready as I'm going to be. Okay, so here's the deal. Yep. I, we do, here at Talk That Talk, since we don't have an NBA team, we do NBA weekly records. Yep. So we detail the season in weekly snapshots. We just tell the stories of the week. So we've talked about, of course, Harden getting traded. We've talked about Blake Griffin getting cut. What are the things that I always mention, and I love to mention at least, when we, it was one particular one where Kevin Durant was listed not as a starter. He was listed out originally. Yeah. Then he was listed as a as a. Uh, he came off the bench and then got yanked from the game. Then goes into the game. Then gets pulled from the game. I think for my headline for that one, I think it was Kevin Durant versus COVID test. Okay. So that's where I, that's where William Carlson versus COVID test came up. So, prior to the start of the game on Friday, everybody is talking, oh, William Carlson's not going to play, you know, inconclusive COVID test, whatever the case may be. And then by the end of the first period, William Carlson was playing. 
I'm not gonna ask you what happened to William Carlson's situation. Sam, I'm gonna ask you this. Yeah. Remember a year ago when this first started and they said one positive COVID test and or inconclusive test requires a 14-day quarantine? No I questions do. asked? I do. Remember how Nick Saban was the first person to not abide by that? Nick Saban, he, he's so strong physically. He just beat COVID. Just like you put 24 hours. It was $20 in every kid's Camaro. 24, and I, I've gone on record saying this, and I don't know, Sam, I don't want the journal to get mad at me, but I have been very vocal about this. Salim just said his joke about putting $20 in every kid's Camaro. However, one story that you will not hear me break, I'm a strong believer in never saying never. I feel like as a journalist, certain morals you have to stand on. You will not hear me break a story about a college athlete being paid. Why? Because you paid me to cover it when I was a student. I won't be the one breaking the story. That's all I will say. Tell me more. I'm not saying I, I'm not, I'm just, I'm just telling you more. I, and I didn't expect to go here, but let's go here. We're, we're having fun. It's March Madness. Why not talk about it? There's always been this belief that college athletes get paid. Right? I don't want to say there's knowledge, but there's belief that college athletes get paid. Well, <laughs> Youth age. I'm just asking. I'm not good at this PC thing, but I try. <laughs> okay, keep so going. So, it, it's a strong belief sure. that college students are paid. Some of them. Yes, some of them, for sure. Okay. The thing that gets me, when I get here to UNLV, I'm coming from Cerritos College, I'm coming from Westchester High School, where I cared about sports more than the majority of the people that I was writing it with. Oh. Not everybody, but a lot. Yeah. So when I get to this level, and I realize, oh wow, I get paid to cover these people. Yeah. Whew. This is dope. I didn't realize that I was going to get paid to do this in college. And then you go to college games. And you talk to these college athletes. And you're around these college athletes. And the money, again, it, it's been said so many times, but the money that's being made off of their backs, I find it very weird. You guys know my relationship with Justice Oliver Shawn. I find it very weird if me and Justice go to Denny's and I buy the food. Justice can possibly have a have his eligibility. But the thing is, he can pay for me, fam. I'm never gonna. I shouldn't say never, but I do not see myself ever breaking a story where a college student is getting paid for what? That's not news to me. Well, I'm not. Well, first of all, first and foremost, I'm never mad at the kids. The kids ever. Are, I mean, there's a. There's, I'm mad at the university if you do it sloppily, or the booster if you do it sloppily. Which, which has happened. <laughs> Most of the time. If you and LV are paying players, I think they need to up their rate. Because goddamn. <laughs> you keep saying that UNLV is playing with me. I don't want to do that. That's what I mean. But, they're paying their players. Well, see, Sam just said, Sam just said the, the, the elephant in the room. Not every student gets paid. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to stop talking now before people think that I know something. <laughs> I'm just going to move on. And you already but know what I want I'm to not say. breaking that story. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say. So we talked about um, Nick Saban and, and, and his COVID test. Ever since then, it seems like Mark, or excuse me, Nick Saban has been used as... The poster child. Yes. that He's been that one exception. Well, he had an inconclusive test, and he was able to coach. But we have Kevin Stefanski, who... 
missed an entire playoff game, game behind Kobe. Game plan from the crib. And it was amazing. And watch from the crib, too. <laughs> it was amazing. Watching this work from the house. So, I'm not really sure what to make of it, but how long do you anticipate this continues for people to, I guess, I don't want to say overreact, but react this way to inconclusive or falsely positive COVID tests? I mean, I think it would die down at some point. I mean, we're, we're more than halfway through the NBA season. We're approaching the halfway point right in the NHL season. Um, the vaccine is being rolled out. Things are getting better. We, are, we have an understanding, at least from the NBA perspective, that if players get vaccinated, that there's certain steps in the protocols that they can eliminate it for them, and it gives them a little bit more freedom to live their lives uh, under the restrictions. So my hope is that this whole kind of test, uh, you know, that, that the testing and the now that there's more experience doing this, that, that it can tighten up a little bit as the vaccine gets rolled out and that there's a little bit more knowledge and understanding. But it, it, it goes to show you, I mean, we've definitely seen that there's been some flaws with the protocols. There's no question about that if these situations keep emerging in different ways. And the NBA, for me, we, we kind of just talked about it, their protocol that they're rolling out for their vaccine and their idea for vaccine. Um, how do you feel about, I guess people could just say it's the truth, but how do you feel about players arguing that they are being kind of strong on into possibly doing the vaccine, citing that restrictions that will be lifted will be being able to leave your room on road trips? Uh, being able to have up to four guests with you with you on road trips. Um, that's just two of the, like, six things that would change. How do you feel about players feeling like they're being kind of forced into taking the vaccine? I get it. It's tough, right? Not everybody wants to take the vaccine. I understand that. Um, and, 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 and I'm not going to tell anybody, you know, I'm not going to. Everybody's going to do that. Personally, I'm a believer in science. I took my first dose. I'm just going to put that out there right Sling now. Did his too. I'm going to put that right now, out there now on the Talk That Talk radio show. I got my first dose of the Moderna vaccine. I'm finishing up in early April. Um, guys have their, their reasons for not wanting to take it. Um, and I understand that. And I think Commissioner Silver does that. I understands that too. But there, is, but, but there is incentive to take the vaccine. And I think that that matters. I mean, if there's, if there's a way to, to normalize, to get back to fans, to, to have a normal, as normal as possible playoff atmosphere, the vaccine is going to be play a role. And it's going to play a role in that from the player's perspective. Because that way... At least we know they're going to be safe. If fans are allowed in the arenas, right. and it's going to play a role in fans wanting to get the vaccine. Because let's be honest. Now, you and I might not necessarily need, you know, a public figure talking about the vaccine being influenced. But if a prominent NBA player comes forward, that's going to sway some opinions. It just is. That's the way it works. That's the kind of platform these guys have. Not that they're obligated to, right. but they they have that platform if they want to access it. So that's that's what I have to say about that. And you just said it yourself. You said that you feel like over sometimes soon it has to. Over different leagues, we'll start to see different leniencies start to kind of occur. Again, this is a very, very serious time. Still, this is still a very, very highly dangerous virus. Um, I believe the last number that I've seen was 1.6 million have been have lives have been lost due to COVID-19. So this is a very, very serious uh, matter. And my dad's tip in for today. We're about 10 minutes out. Of this show. Before I get into my last tip in, we're going to give you guys one more roundabout of all the sports that are going on. Syracuse did come away with a three point win over West Virginia. That 11 seed is moving on. You talking about my Big 12? <laughs> Texas Tech is down 10 currently. Plenty of time. Plenty of time. 
you know what's funny? Maybe it's just the UNLV in my blood. I've mentioned Arkansas about five times on this show, and I refuse to mention Eric Musselman. <laughs> Fantastic basketball coach. Amazing basketball coach. One that wouldn't mind if the University of Minnesota considered. We'll just leave it at that. We'll leave that there. Between Minnesota fanfare and Florida fanfare on this show, I promise we stand out from any other radio show. I promise you. So, uh, aside from that, Rutgers and Houston are knotted at 18 with about five minutes to go in that first half. And Oral Roberts just tied it up with Florida. That game is knotted at 10. If Oral Roberts beats Florida, you said that's what we can talk about. Cinderella. That's what we can talk about. You got to get this 316. That's when we can talk about Cinderella. So and, any and, of these lower seats that win. And you know what? I don't care. I don't care what Syracuse's seat is. They're not a Cinderella. They're Syracuse. <laughs> Wait a minute. Why? Because they're Syracuse. They just did this a couple of years ago. They too. did just do this a couple of years. ago. They have Jim Beheim. They still recruit four and five star caliber guys. Yes. It's still an NBA caliber program yes. where pros, you know, future pros consider that. It's not a Cinderella. They un- they underachieved during the regular season. They ain't no Cinderella. Cinderella. And for what it's worth, that year when they made that run, that was Malachi Richardson's team. Yeah, it was. And he is no longer in the NBA. Life came at him real quick. That tells you a lot about, you mentioned it, and I'm going to say his name one more time. That tells you a lot about Jim Bay. Guy's a tremendous basketball coach. Say what you will. He's a tremendous basketball coach, and he has been for 40 years, and he still is. 40 years? Let that sink in. He's been doing that maybe long. At the highest level. He might, I think he's been at Syracuse since the 70s. That'd be damn near 50. 50 years. So, my dad has some some knowledge, some sports knowledge. And now, as always, I have my dad kick in with his tip. And my mom starts to show my dad closes it. So, let's see what my dad has to say. His is about Deshaun Watson. So, let's see what my dad has to say. In a little over a week, there have been at least count 12 women who have come out and accused Deshaun Watson of inappropriate conduct and or sexual assault. All of these accusations are serious matters that should be and should definitely be addressed. And if they are found to be true, we should definitely have his day in court and suffer the consequences. Now, only Deshaun and these women involved know what really happened on these occasions. It is, oh, it is just very interesting to him that this would all happen after Watson made it very publicly clear that he wants out of Houston. He said, I am more more than often, or excuse me, more often than not, the conspiracy theorist at heart. But the timing of these accusations seem a little shady to me. By shunning the Houston Texans, this has to be an embarrassment to the owner, management, and coaches. What better revenge than to tarnish Washington's reputation and threaten his career and possibly his freedom? Maybe I'm way off, or maybe I'm right on. But I'm just saying, I have seen worse done to people, not, oh, excuse me, I have seen worse done to people not as popular as Watson. Either Deshaun Watson has a problem and needs serious help, or he is the target of some very powerful and angry people. I guess we'll see. And hopefully justice, you know, justice is achieved in whatever that is, whatever that looks like. That's all we can hope for. And again, there's not really too much that we can kind of go on in it's terms very of that's why I just said I don't think that we will have answers in the next week I think we'll have answers in the next couple of weeks and of course even when we get those answers there's going to be a fallout from that Sammy G man appreciate you having me as always brother as always so Salim what's going on everybody we talked UNLV men and women what'd you say 
You said you probably shouldn't have? Wait, no, I just said right. Oh, I think you said... Maybe I'm just like... I'm literally scarred by the things that Selena said. <laughs> like, it's just... It's, it's terrifying. So... I paid them a lot of tuition. <laughs> so, again, we, we went ahead. We broke down both of these head coaching situations for UNLV. Thank you once again to head coach Lindy LaRock for joining us today. Thank you to Minnesota's own Sam Gordon, as always. Sam... Keep breaking news, man. <laughs> I know your phone literally has been going off since you've been sitting here, so I appreciate you for rocking with us. A separate shout-out to Adam Hill over at the Review Journal as well. Charles is walking by right now. My man, we appreciate you. Thank you as always. And we're wrapping up here at the Sportsbook. We have about five minutes to go uh, in the show, so of course I'm going to let 2K1G take us out. Um, I'm going to give you guys one more update on scores. Ruggers is up 20 to 18 on Houston. They have about four minutes out of halftime. Texas Tech, they're nine down. Once again, they're nine down to Arkansas. Arkansas has a 51 to 42 lead with just under 11 minutes to go in regulation. Loyola Chicago has moved on. Syracuse have moved on. Oral Roberts in Florida just tipped off not too long ago. Brooklyn's beaten Washington. Detroit's beaten Chicago. Yes, this is literally, and by the way, in case you guys are just now tuning in to this Talk That Talk radio show, me and my dad, we have a special connection to horse racing. So, as always, I'm sitting right here lined up with my little horse racing corner. So I'm over here trying to do my father proud. You're into the of course, I didn't man. know that. Bro, know Hollywood that. Park is... I, when everybody was saying, bring the Rams and the Chargers to Inglewood, I said, what are you tearing down? Because it's not the park. <laughs> You're not tearing down the park. Right. Me and my dad both shed a tear when the park blew up. Right. I can't blame him. But yet and still, Santa Anita is still claiming horses' lives. Santa Anita is running them right now. Dad, if you're listening right now, which I'm pretty sure you are, I know you're at home cursing just like I'm about to. So we're going to get out of here, and we're going to let 2K1G take us out. As always, guys, we appreciate you. We thank you. Until Wednesday, guys. What's today? Sunday, right? Yep. Until Wednesday, guys. Keep on talking.